President Tsai Ing-wen says there's a small number of American troops that's training soldiers in Taiwan. She's the first Taiwan president in recent years to confirm U.S. military presence on Taiwan soil. Speaking in an exclusive interview with CNN, Tsai said that she has faith the U.S. will come to Taiwan's aid in the event of an attack from China. She also made a direct appeal to Chinese leader Xi Jinping, asking him for more communication. President Tsai Ing-wen went for a stroll at Taipei's Longshan Temple with CNN correspondent Will Ripley. Normally, when I um, go to the temple, there are hundreds of people there. What I will shake hands with each one of them. After the temple tour, she introduced him to some local eat. This is one of my favorite food. All right. Snacking on fried rice noodles, Ripley asked Tsai about the state of cross-strait relations. You talked about how really the situation is so complex now. Yeah, it is very complex. This is probably the cha most challenging time for people of Taiwan. Is Taiwan more safe today than it was when you became president in 2016? If it's a threat from China, it's increasing every day. Tsai says the Chinese threat is growing by the day. Last week, U.S. President Joe Biden was asked if the U.S. would come to Taiwan's defense if China attacked. His answer was yes. Although some cheered Biden's reply, the White House later walked it back, saying there was no change to its Taiwan policy. Even so, Tsai says she has faith that the U.S. would assist Taiwan in the event of conflict with China. People have different interpretation of what uh, President Biden has said. Do you have faith that the United States would defend Taiwan if the mainland were to try to move on Taiwan? I do have faith. And uh, given the long-term relationship that we have with the U.S. and also the support of the people of the U.S. as well as the Congress and the administration has been very helpful. President Tsai also confirmed a media report claiming that U.S. military personnel were training troops in Taiwan. Does that support include sending some U.S. service members to help train Taiwanese troops? Well, yes. Um, uh, we have uh, a wide range of cooperation with the U.S. Uh, uh, aiming at uh, uh, increasing our defense capability. How many U.S. service members are deployed in Taiwan right now? Um, not as many as uh, uh, people thought. According to the CNN report, the U.S. sold Taiwan 144.1 billion NT in defensive arms in 2020. And over the past three years, the number of U.S. troops stationed in Taiwan has tripled from 10 to 32. During the interview, President Tsai also directed words at Chinese leader Xi Jinping. More communication would be helpful so that we would uh, reduce misunderstanding, given our differences, uh, differences in terms of our political systems. Um, we can sit down and talk about our differences and try to make arrangement um, so that we will be able to coexist peacefully. Tsai launched thinly veiled criticism of Xi's approach to international relations. She asked Xi if he would prefer to have a peaceful relationship with the world or if he'd rather be in a position of dictatorial dominance. The last time President Tsai Ing-wen accepted an interview with CNN was in 2019. Experts say that Tsai chose to speak to CNN again this week to make Taiwan's voice heard at an important juncture. People are speaking up for us. They are defending us. So, of course, we must very firmly express what our attitude is. What is our attitude? 
First, it is that our position is firm. Our attitude is we are ready. The scholar says that October has been a big month for Taiwan on the international stage. Last week, U.S. President Joe Biden said the U.S. would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese attack. This week, the U.S. Department of State issued a statement asking members of the United Nations to support Taiwan's participation. The scholar said that during Tsai's interview with CNN, Tsai strategically revealed the presence of U.S. troops in Taiwan. He said that this was a message that Taiwan is ready to defend itself against China. Well, Taiwan has hit its October vaccination targets ahead of schedule. Three days ahead of October 31st, single-dose vaccination has exceeded 70 percent, while second-dose coverage has reached 30 percent. The CCC plans to accelerate its vaccine program next month, with priority given to people who need their second dose. In Taipei, officials will set up vac vaccine stations at schools and activity centers to widen access. The 12th vaccination round entered its second phase on Thursday. Also on Thursday, the CECC announced that single-dose coverage had reached past 70 percent. Second-dose coverage exceeded 30 percent. Both targets were met ahead of schedule. We need to step up efforts to vaccinate the fifth priority group. For high-risk people at long-term care facilities, we want to get the numbers up as quickly as possible. As for people in the seventh priority group who need their second dose, they're being treated the same as the general population, so their vaccination rate is relatively low. Here are the latest vaccination rates by demographic. Nearly 90% of medical workers and epidemic prevention personnel in the government are fully vaccinated. Nearly 80% of other high-risk frontline workers are fully vaccinated. Among adults 65 and older, one-dose coverage is nearly 80%, while nearly 67% are fully vaccinated. The CECC says that going by the rate so far, Taiwan looks set to keep its epidemic contained. To prevent progress from stalling, officials are moving to improve vaccine access. What we need to take into consideration is how to optimize access to the best of our ability. We will reduce vaccination capacity at the Taipei Expo Dome. In each district, at locations that need them, we will set up medium-sized vaccine clinics. The Taipei city government says it will set up medium-sized vaccine clinics at local activity centers and school auditoriums. With help from borough wardens, the city plans to actively encourage locals to use the clinics to reduce the burden at medical facilities. Taipei City plans to set up medium-sized community vaccination stations. Besides that, the CECC is considering using metro stations, which have been used before to deliver flu shots. These stations will offer walk-in services. There will be raffle prices as an incentive to increase vaccine willingness. It depends on what the prices are. If the prices are lame, I wouldn't want them. I think that MRT vaccination stations are a better idea. This seems to be how it's done overseas. People on the wait list for a second dose. We're hoping that in November we can meet the demand for this group of people. A new shipment of the Pfizer vaccine, roughly 900,000 doses, arrived in Taiwan Thursday morning. Another delivery is expected on Friday. With vaccines arriving in rapid succession, Taiwan's challenge is shifting from securing supplies to keeping up the vaccination momentum. So Taiwan has extended its level 2 COVID alert to November 15th, while easing many public health rules starting next Tuesday. 
It will lift the participant limits for indoor and outdoor gatherings, and it will also relax Taiwan's mask mandate. Starting next Tuesday, masks can be taken off while eating and drinking at cinemas, singing at karaoke parlors, and exercising at gyms. Masks can also be removed to eat and drink on trains, buses, and in internet cafes. Nightclubs, cabarets, and other nightlife establishments can reopen as long as they don't have hostesses entertaining guests. Nightlife establishments with hostess entertainment will be allowed to reopen on November 16th. With the epidemic slowing and restrictions lifted, film festivals are back in action. The Mongolian and Tibetan Film Festival will kick off on October 29th. The festival features international films related to the Mongolian and Tibetan culture. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang uh, gives us a preview. The first 2021 Mongolian Tibetan Film Festival will be held from October 29th till November 11th. It is curated by the Mongolian and Tibetan Cultural Center. The festival will open with Marked Man, a film about Mongolia's war history. This is the first time that a Mongolian-Tibetan film festival has been held in Taiwan. Such a film festival is unique and has been seen practically nowhere else in the world. I selected 10 films, which will be screened for free in Taipei, Taichung and Kaohsiung. The festival will be divided into four sections. The first section is called Mongolian Spirit. There are three movies, all of which have yet to be released in Taiwan. There are many wonderful films. This is the first Mongolian-Tibetan film festival. We hope that more ethnic issues will be featured in future film festivals and for there to be more ethnic film festivals. Through film festivals, we can give the public a greater multicultural understanding. The festival will feature 10 films, providing 31 free screenings. The film festival will explore themes of Mongolian and Tibetan history, culture, environmental protection, women, religion, and education. My favorites are The Steed and The Woman. I think the acting skills of the horses are very impressive. They even had crying scenes and limping scenes. The technical difficulty of the shots was very high. When watching The Woman, I think that apart from being able to see the tenacity of the protagonist, you're also getting a window into daily life in the mountains and valleys of Mongolia. The film I have the strongest impression of is Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom. I haven't seen such a pure movie in a long time. I ask myself sometimes, what is the essence of happiness? But it has been a long time since I've stopped and asked myself, what do I need? Although I might complain about what my life is missing. This movie imparts upon you the value of existence and the definition of happiness. It makes you realize that you've got everything you need. Registration is online, and screenings will be held at Taipei Spot Huashen, Taichung Xingong Cinemas, and Kaohsiung Film Archive. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. Taiwan's economics minister has once again called for a Taiwan-U.S. bilateral trade agreement. Speaking at a virtual forum hosted by a U.S. nonprofit, economics minister Wang Meihua said that a BTA would enhance supply chain cooperation across sectors like electric vehicles and 5G. She said that so far, the Biden administration has stayed focused on domestic issues and has not given the green light for BTA negotiations with Taiwan. Experts warn that Taiwan needs to act fast to secure a deal as geopolitical changes could lower its chances next year.
uh, Taiwan-U.S. Uh, technology cooperation uh, goes beyond the uh, semiconductor industry. Uh, the Taiwan-U.S. Uh, technological cooperation in the ICT industry is worth mentioning here. Uh, over the 30 years, uh, Taiwan's ICT industry has crossed cooperation with the U.S. company, uh, extending from the OEM to the ODM uh, in the process of manufacturing uh, personal computers, notebooks, and smartphones. Economics Minister Wang Meihua attended a virtual symposium hosted by the U.S. nonprofit Securing America's Future Energy. During the event, she called once again for a Taiwan-U.S. bilateral trade agreement. Uh, we can continue to create more cooperation area uh, in, uh, for example, uh, EV and uh, 5G. Uh, due to the uh, rise of the uh, EV, uh, electric vehicles, uh, Taiwan's strength in the ICT and semiconductor industry has made us a competitiveness uh, partner. She enumerated the strengths of Taiwanese industry. She also said that the Biden administration has not yet given the green light for BTA negotiations. Since the start of the year, Taiwan has been making a renewed push for talks over a BTA. But with no commitments to a timeline so far, there are concerns that the longer the wait, the less likely a favorable outcome. For us, this moment is a good time for negotiations. By the time we get to next year, the situation may of course have changed. If the semiconductor shortage is alleviated by then, it's possible we may not have such good bargaining chips. The scholar says the U.S. will engage with Taiwan based on considerations including U.S.-China relations and international geopolitics. If Taiwan doesn't seal a deal quickly, he says, the global tides of political and economic change could slam close the window of opportunity. Taiwan reported zero local cases and six imported cases on Thursday. One of the imported cases is an African-American uh, pilot for EVA Air. The pilot has been fully vaccinated since July when he got his second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. He tested positive for COVID before the end of his mandatory five-day quarantine after returning from an assignment. Let's hear from the CECC. He tested positive for spike antibodies, which show up after inoculation. That means his body had developed antibodies for the disease. Perhaps he was infected while abroad or during the flight. He had been in quarantine two times before. After the second quarantine, he took a rapid test before an assignment, and the test came back negative. He then went on the assignment and tested positive on the fifth day after his return. Also on Thursday, the pilots' union Taoyuan staged a protest at three quarantine hotels, calling for better working conditions. The union is asking for at least three rest days each month, during which pilots are not undergoing quarantine or self-help management. They also called on employers not to force crew to go on assignment before completing their mandatory quarantine. The demands come after a pilot was found dead shortly after quarantine last week, sparking debate on the physical and mental toll of Taiwan's strict border controls. 
Teachers, civil servants and military personnel are set to get their biggest salary raise in 25 years. The executive yuan has approved a plan to raise public sector wages by 4 percent, the most since 1996. This proposal next goes to the legislative yuan, which is widely expected to approve it. We are adjusting salaries by 4 percent. It's thanks to everyone's hard work that we are now able to share the wealth. Premier Su Jiancheng has finalized a pay rise that takes effect next year for three types of public servants. It's bigger than the raises given in recent years, which have all been 3%. My mother is an educator. She's an elementary school teacher. I saw how she raised five children on her salary. As long as I have the ability to do so, I will always try to raise wages for public servants so that they can have an easier home life. Premier Su commended Taiwan's government workers and urged lawmakers to support the wage hike. According to government records, public servants received a 5% raise in 1996. Wages were raised 3% in the year 2001, and then 3% again three times after that. This time, the salary hike is set at 4%, which will cost the government 31.4 billion NT. If passed by lawmakers, this will be the Thai administration's second raise for service members, teachers and civil servants. It'll also be the biggest raise in 25 years. I think this is a good thing. We've already approved a raise to the basic wage. Our service members, civil servants and teachers all work very hard. And recently, our economy has been growing. With this growth, we are able to share the benefits with them. From the DPP standpoint, this is something we fully support. Service members, civil servants and teachers have always worked very hard, so of course I'd be happy to see them get a raise. But as for retired service members, civil servants and teachers whose pensions were cut, they too had worked hard for our country. I think that retired service members and police, people in this group, should be considered for a raise. In a rare show of cross-party unity, KMT and DPP lawmakers said they support the raise. But a KMT lawmaker is also asking for a raise for pensioners. The executive yuan said that raising pensions is not on the agenda, but that it set aside a provisional 1 billion NT for pension bonuses. Well, time for a peek into the world of Chinese cuisine. One restaurant is bringing traditional Canton-style crab dishes to Taiwan to shake up the palates of Taiwanese gourmands. But these are crabs with butter, scallion oil, and even call fat. Not your ordinary crab at all. A plate of crab meat risotto is garnished with coal fat, which in a hot oven melts into the whole dish, giving the crab paste an old-days flavor that's as rich as it is chewy. Long-grain glutinous rice is soaked for three hours before being cooked. On top, a layer of bright orange crab covering almost the whole steamer basket. Then it's scallop strips and finally a covering of coal fat, the traditional topping for shrimp rolls. Now the crab is well bundled up and ready to be steamed. The melting coal fat drips onto the crab. The chef still has to heat some more oil to bring out the aromas from scallops and scallions. Crab has a fresh flavor anyway, but it doesn't have much aroma. So in here we use aromatic ingredients. I'm thinking of the call fat. We reduce the oil level underneath, so when the call fat melts, it goes onto the crab meat and then mingles with the rice. And crabs can even be cooked in butter, which sinks into the crab meat for a textured and rich flavor. 
Big slabs of butter and scallion oil are fried, and then the crab is added. The chef patiently keeps it on a low heat so the butter doesn't brown. 那在慢煎的过程当中呢，那个油呢会慢慢的从蟹壳升到蟹的身体里面去。It's cooked slowly so the oil can gradually seep from the shell into the body of the crab, making it get grainier. Crab with cool fat, crab in butter, and crab in classic Canton style. For seafood lovers, this is definitely a spot for the bucket list. So, have you ever seen an ATM in a house? Well, that's exactly what you'll find in one village in Alien District, Gaosheng. The Farmers Association installed an ATM in a local resident's front room. It allows the rural community to easily get money out without making a long round trip, tick,、uh, long round trip to another town. A man enters his card into the ATM, and it produces crisp 1,000 NT notes. This could be any ATM until you pan out and see it's on a residential property. I do not need the way. The Council of Farmers Association suggested we open an ATM here. It's not just convenient for the householder; all his neighbors are grateful too. It's convenient for our young people. For older people, it's actually quite nice to go for a walk to get money. So basically. It's handy for everyone who uses a card to withdraw money. Of course, it's handy. That's why it was put here. The machine was installed in 1993. Before that, locals had to make a three-kilometer journey just to withdraw cash. The Alien Farmers Association now rents the ground-floor living room of this house for 5,000 NT every month to use this corner for the ATM. It saves lots of time for community members, and the police come and patrol regularly, sparing the house owner from worries about burglary. But there are some downsides to having a mini bank in your house. It's very hot and often produces emissions. There's a hole here, and sometimes it rotates really fast, which can get a bit loud. Normally, ATMs are found by banks or supermarkets, but this little home ATM provides a quaint contrast. It's a major boon for the community to pick up cash with just a brief walk down the street.